0: You know, this morning I got some very distressing news, some horrible news. My mother passed away at 3.15 a.m. this morning. She'd been battling an illness for several years and she was one of the great Christians I've ever known in my entire life. So we were able to say our goodbyes to her and I was able to FaceTime with her last night and tell her that I loved her and I knew that she was going to go to heaven. So be in prayer for our family. My brothers and I are going to do the funeral in Houston Thursday, which is not gonna be an easy thing. However, as I was thinking about my mother's life this morning, I, I know that she would have wanted me to speak. You know, she had told me to get up to the church and preach because she loved the church. And my mother definitely was one of the most self-aware people that I've ever had the privilege of of, of knowing. I've been talking about being self-aware. And being self-aware is, first of all, it starts with God. It's knowing God who knows us better than we know ourselves. And because we know God, one of the benefits of knowing him is this, is this ability to know our strengths and weaknesses and the context of our own lives and also the lives of others. Mom was one of the few people I've ever seen that when you talk to her, no matter if you were a billionaire or on welfare, she locked in and she listened to you. She asked questions about your life and she was always encouraging people and and applauding their creativity and uniqueness. So i tell you, she truly, truly, truly is in heaven. She's with her, her family who's gone before her, her loved ones, so again, I appreciate your prayers and, 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 your, and your thoughts during this time. And death is something that we never really plan on, we never expect, but all of us die. It's part of, it's part of living, but it's still not easy, even though we know where she is, we're going to miss her. And some of you know what I'm talking about, you've lost a mom, others don't, but but, uh, it's just part of living. But anyway, I did want to just tell you that, and I wanted you to share in that, but also I wanted you to think about someone who has walked with God for a long time and someone who is acutely self-aware. Obviously, she's perfectly self-aware now, my mother, but in this life, she was self-aware. And what I want to ask you is, are you self-aware? Do you know yourself? Most of us would say, well, sure, Ed, I know myself. But I would argue, do you really know yourself? Socrates said, and I quote, man, know thyself. Do you know yourself? I don't believe we can ever know ourselves until we know the one who knows us better than we'll ever know ourselves, and that is the Lord. Do you know yourself? We don't know ourselves just to go, wow, I know myself. It's a benefit of a believer. Just like a benefit of being a believer is forgiveness, a clear conscience, purpose, eternal life, which my mother is experiencing right now. Another benefit of a believer is being self-aware because God wants us to take advantage of this one and only life because what we do on this side of the grave affects what happens on the other side of the grave. All of us will live forever in one of two places. We make the choice. Love is a choice. We either choose to allow God to rule sovereignly over our life, or we don't. If we do and if we walk with God, we're gonna be self-aware. If we don't and we don't walk with God, we're gonna be self-unaware. Thucydides said this. You were probably reading about Thucydides on your way to church, weren't you? (laughs) Thucydides said, what we learn from history is that we don't learn from history. What we learn from history, think about that, is that we don't learn from history. Those, though, who are self-aware learn from history. And today I want to give you a quick history lesson. I want you to go back, 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 back to the book of Daniel. Daniel is over in the Old Testament, specifically Daniel chapter five. I want to show you what happens, and I'm going to give you an extreme example here, when someone is self-unaware. Here's what happens when someone really doesn't know themselves. Here is what happens when someone doesn't learn from history, when history is right there in front of them. Here's what happens when someone doesn't read the handwriting on the wall. You've probably heard it said before, the writing is on the wall, the writing is on the wall. You've heard people say that over and over again, the writing is on the wall, the writing is on the wall. This is where we get... That phrase, the writing is on the wall. Daniel chapter five. Last week we met a guy, a crazy king, who made a turn in his life, who followed the Lord after a a unique situation. His name was Nebuchadnezzar. Is that a great name? He's definitely on the all name team, Nebuchadnezzar. Well, today we're going to look at his grandson. And his grandson had a great name too. Belshazzar. Say it with me. Belshazzar. He was a millennial king, a young guy in his 20s. In Daniel chapter 5, he was in a coffee shop in Babylon. Not Starbucks. He was too cool for that. Millennials don't go to Starbucks. He was in a coffee shop and he had his skinny jeans on and his John Elliott shirt that went about there and holes all in it. And, and, and he was um, on, on his uh, iPhone thinking about his next Amazon Prime order while he was sipping pour-over coffee. So he was just chilling. After all, he was the grandson of Papal Nebuchadnezzar. So he got this text, dude, you're the new king of Babylon. And sure enough, he was. Belshazzar, he lived to party, and he partied to live. He decided in Daniel chapter 5 to throw a massive rave, a party of all parties. Everybody was there. TMZ was there. The A-listers were there. The red carpet was there. DJ Tiesto was there. It was unbelievable. His wives were there. The dancers were there. His concubines were there. You could smell the perfume, the cigar smoke, and other types of smoke in this giant, area in Babylon where they were having this party. Archaeologists have found giant banquet rooms, for example, built in tunnels underneath the Euphrates River that seat over a 1,000 people. Also archaeologists have found plaster. Remember that. Plaster that in your mind. I'll come back to that in a second. This big party was taking place. So Belshazzar You know, he was the man of the hour. He was the millennial king, the young guy. He thought everything was safe and secure. He thought everything was copacetic. He thought everything was was great. Everything was safe because, as you read your history, this city had walls around it 350 feet high, 87 feet thick, three chariots could ride around on the top of the wall side by side, over 100 guard towers, Water? Oh, yeah, they had water. The Euphrates River snaked through the city. Food? They had food saved up for 20 years. Here's, though, what happened in Belshazzar's life. God is getting ready to crash his party. Here's the question. What do you do when the party's over? I mean, What do you do? How do you feel? Where do you go when the party is over? Belshazzar, through this giant rave, he had no idea it would be his last night on earth. He died. And he died, sadly, self-unaware. There are different stages to being self-unaware. And again, don't think about your spouse. Don't think about your son, don't think about your boss, don't think about your manager, don't think about your coach, don't think about your teammate, think about yourself. There's several stages to being self-aware. The first stage is the stage I want to draw your attention to, Daniel chapter five, the delusional stage. If you're self-unaware, you're delusional. You're drunk with deception. Speaking Speaking of being smashed at the bash, Daniel chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. King Belshazzar, and this guy was so self unaware, he just pretty much had a three foot radius around his life, gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles, drank wine with them. While While Belshazzar was drinking the wine, while he was doing this now, he gave orders. Is this unbelievable? To bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar. His father, in the Hebrew, that's grandfather and father. The words are used interchangeably. His father was Nebulus, I'm sorry, Nebonius. That's how you pronounce his name. His grandfather was Belshazzar. So read there, grandfather. And while Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar had taken, stolen from the temple in Jerusalem. When they besieged the temple in Jerusalem, when they took, over Jerusalem, they brought back with them Daniel and a cadre of committed people. So, so then it says, so, so that the king and his nobles and his wives and concubines and other A-listers, you can read there, might drink from them. Now he is putting it in God's face, is he not? Here are these things we've stolen from you, God, we've stolen from your temple, Yeah, we're gonna use them and we're gonna get drunk And we're gonna say, God, I'm up in your grill. God, I'm sovereign, you're not. Forget what happened to my grandfather. Forget what happened in history. I'm God, and you're not. I'm the millennial king, man. I'm the man. Delusional. Taking the sacred and making it just secular, pedestrian, making light of something holy. Oh, I would never do that, I mean, I would never steal from God. God says 10% of everything we have should go to his house. Those aren't my words, don't get mad at me, it's what God says. So whenever I take part of the 10% and use it on myself, I'm stealing from God. I'm making a mockery of the blessings of God. And if I'm not careful, if I'm self-unaware, the blessings in my life can become a blockade to seeing God, myself, and others. Are you stealing from God? God says in Malachi to his people, hey, you're robbing me. Everyone's like, How are we robbing you, God? He said, Through tithes and offerings. Yeah, we yeah, we rob God. We do. So this guy's disillusioned. He's he's, he's off his rocker because of the ride of pride. And pride will cause you to live a life where you are disillusioned and disillusioned. We make fun of sacred things. We make fun of marriage, the institution of marriage, one man, one woman. We make fun of it. We make fun of the family. Look at the Reality shows, look at the comedies, just abusing and making fun of the family. We make fun of authority figures. We abuse them. The people that take care of us. Oh yeah. We're self-unaware. Look at our culture. Look at the storm surge of sensuality. How we make fun of this God-given thing called sex. Delusional. Belshazzar was delusional. But look at the next thing. He was he was living a life of disrespect. So you're, so you're delusional. That's part of, of, of being self-unaware, caused by pride. You think you're the man. You think you're the girl. Then you go from that. I mean, you don't do it intentionally. It just happens you begin to disrespect the things of God and the authority figures that God has placed in your life. Look, we, we don't have any respect for any positions anymore. It's pathetic. We say, well, I don't like the person, so I'm just going to disrespect the office. No, if you wait to do that, you'll never have respect. You respect and you honor the office, the position, even if you don't dig the person. I mean, that's, 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 that's what you do. And this shows you how self-unaware we can become. And, and in fact, Daniel chapter 5, verses 4 and 6, as they drank the wine, <laughs> this is interesting, isn't it? They praise the gods of gold and silver and bronze and iron and wood and stone. Suddenly, uh uh-oh, say suddenly. Wow, this is scary. Suddenly, while they're everybody dancing, everybody, suddenly, this is freaky, a hand emerges from the plaster, breaks it up, and begins to write on the wall right there in front of the millennial king, Belshazzar. Now, if I'm there, that would freak me out. A hand coming out of the wall and writing on the wall. That's where we get the phrase, the writing is on the wall. The writing is on the wall. Literally, the writing is on the wall. Suddenly, the images of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall, Near the lampstand in the royal palace, the king watched the hand as it wrote. Talking about a buzzkill. His face turned pale and he was so frightened, and, 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 and in the original language, the word frightened, he shrieked, screamed, was so frightened that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way. Three words were written. Many tackle Paris. Say it with me. Many tackle Paris. No one knew what in the world they meant. I'm a guy. And maybe you are too. And as I read this, I'm like, why didn't Belshazzar go, oh! This is encouraging. The hand of God is coming out of the plaster, and God has a special message for me. I must be something unbelievable. God has a plan for me. God is going to show how much he's going to bless me and how amazing I am and how young I am and this and that. He didn't. I wonder why. Because of his conscience we interpret things do we not in relationship to our conscience to our conscience we invite people to attend church so often they make up all of these excuses why their conscience their conscience adam and eve sinned they realized they'd messed up they heard god walking through the garden they tried to cover themselves, their conscience. King Herod heard about Jesus and he thought, whoa, maybe it's John the Baptist who I killed, resurrected. His conscience messed with him. Your conscience, your conscience. Belshazzar knew down deep and his hard as hearts, he knew down deep in his soul, he knew down deep He was messed up. He knew he was running the show. He had a moment of clarity. He had a moment where he was like, man, I'm jacked up. He knew he was sovereign over his life and his conscience bothered him. First time I ever remember my conscience, I was six years old. My neighbor had this beautiful cement bird feeder. My best friend was named Robert and he hobbled along on crutches because he had a hip problem. So wherever I would go, Robert would go, and wherever Robert would go, I would go. I said, Robert, look at that bird feeder. Let's turn it over. I also knew then that I was a leader because he followed me. So I pushed and poor Robert pushed. We pushed and the bird feeder fell over and this cement bird feeder broke into a thousand pieces, and I remember falling over laughing at this bird feeder, my neighbor's bird feeder, that I'd busted into a squillion pieces. They weren't at home. No one saw it. I was just like <laughs> So Robert and I talked about it, you know, Robert hobbled off. went back to my house. An hour went by. I'm thinking to myself, "Oh, I'm, I'm free. Some more time melted off the clock. No one will ever find out. All of a sudden, that old rotary phone, that yellow rotary phone began to ring. <laughs> No way. (laughs) Man, my conscience, it was all over me. And my sweet mother, she's hearing this right now from heaven, picked the phone up and she's from Laurel, Mississippi. Hello? He did? Are you sure it was Ed? Yes, it was him if you saw a boy with crutches next to him. (laughs) Thank you. Wow. I got in trouble. (laughs) That kind of trouble. Allowance worked. And I'll never forget, I I went to the bird feeder store. I'll never forget it. And I put all the money I had a little piggy bank up on the counter, and bought a new bird feeder. Ding! Ding! How's your conscience? If we're really self-aware, man, our conscience is gonna be on point. Ding! A lustful thought, a prideful statement, a materialistic or selfish play, your conscience. But the millennial king was like, man, no big deal. I mean, yeah, I feel a little bit bad, but you know, whatever. Someone will interpret it. So he calls all of the ivy league mbas in all the phds all the glassy-eyed gurus he goes guys in the middle of the party interpret these words they couldn't do it then his memaw comes in the queen mother and encourages him all belty belt everything's gonna be okay i'm sure the words are very positive and encouraging don't fret, don't cry now, but there, 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 there was a guy I remembered, your people used to talk about him, Daniel, and, and Daniel told your people some words that changed his life. Maybe Daniel is still around, so they bring in Daniel. What do you think Daniel was thinking when he walks in and sees all this nudity All the people doing coke, other drugs, all the craziness, all the mayhem. What do you think Daniel is thinking? He wasn't invited. And he walks up and looks at the three words, many, tekel, Paris. And he goes, oh, many means numbered. Hey, Belshazzar, your days are numbered. In fact, tonight, your ticket is gonna be punched. Wow. God has your number, whether you know it or not. He has my number. Tekel, your life has been weighed, and it's come up wanting. And and as you read this story in Daniel 5, he's giving Belshazzar an opportunity to repent But Belshazzar doesn't learn from history. He doesn't think about, man, my people repented. God changed his life, but I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. Are you you really relying on your works to balance the scales in the blazing brilliance of the glory of God? Good isn't good enough. Because as God weighs your life, you're wanting, you're lacking. Only the blood of Jesus tips the scales. And only if you've applied that do you know him. Then he says Paris, you know what the word Paris means? Paris, not Paris, France, Belshazzar. Paris means your kingdom will be divided because, read your history, The Medes and Persians had this city surrounded. It seemed to be impenetrable, but they diverted the water source of the Euphrates. The Euphrates, without them realizing it, was slowly, slowly, the water level was descending. It was was drying up. They took their forces, marched on the riverbed underneath the wall, came in and opened up a can and took them out. It happened that night. What do you do when the party's over? What do you do? Delusional. You began to disrespect authority figures, disrespect God. I'm the man, I'm the girl, I'll do what I Want I sovereignly rule over my life. My life is before me. I'm protected. Well, Daniel was very self-aware. And I've just jotted a couple things down. You can write these down and, and look at them later. But integrity, you can write this over verse 13, will always bring opportunity. Daniel was a man of integrity. And he was able to speak into the lives of many people, many powerful people. Why? Because he knew God, and God knew him better than he knew himself. And because of that, he was able to wax eloquently about this knowledge to others. Notice this, too. Honor will bring respect. Even though Daniel, I'm sure, when he walked in and saw this millennial king, was like, you've got to be kidding me. This guy doesn't get it. Here he is, sipping some more pour-over coffee, smoking weed, all of his topless dancers around him. He's lost his mind. I, I don't respect him as a person, but I honor him because of his position, and he gives him, as you read about his life, a history lesson. And he gives him a theology lesson. How many people in here, okay, this is kind of random, but it's not, how many people in here like professional wrestling? I do. That's it? No, I'm talking about real wrestling. I'm talking about wrestling. Dusty Rhodes, God bless him. Junkyard Dog, come on, hands are going up everywhere. <laughs> Jimmy Superfly Snooker. And my favorite, Rick Woo! Nature Boy Flair. You know Ric Flair almost died a couple of weeks ago? He did. Flair had some sort of intestinal problem. I don't want to get too detailed, but he was able to to emerge from this, uh, this very serious condition. I mean, it's going to take more than an intestinal problem to take out the Nature Boy. Anyway, when I used to watch Nature Boy wrestle back in the day, Township Auditorium, Columbia, South Carolina, Nature Boy would grab one of his opponents, and he would always say this, Now we go to school." And man, he would come off those top ropes, figure four leg dive, woo! Or better than this, woo! Not wow. Woo! That's what Flair would say. Well, that's what Daniel did to Belshazzar. Went off the top rope, woo! I'm going to take you to school. Hey, Belshazzar, now we go to school. So he gives him, Daniel does, a history lesson. You didn't learn from your people. I mean, your people was all up in pride and ego when he was ruling over himself. You didn't learn from him. Look what happened. He repented. God changed his life. And you are now on this ride of pride. Woo! But once you say no, one day God's going to put his no on top of your no. You can't come to the Lord anytime you want. You only have an opportunity when God gives it to you. And he had the opportunity. So he gave him a history lesson. You're not learning from history. Then he gave him a Bible lesson, and Belshazzar, again, just refused. So honor will bring respect. Integrity will bring opportunity. And notice something else about being self aware. This is from Daniel's life. Truth will bring decision. He gave him an opportunity for a decision, he gave them all. And he was pointing out Belshazzar, the provision for this decision. But look at verses 22 and 23. But you, His son, O Belshazzar, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you've set yourself up against the Lord. You are oblivious to the obvious. Do you know someone like that? Oblivious to the obvious. Hey, dude, the writing is on the wall. Hey, girl, the writing is on the wall. I talked to a couple in my office years ago. They were both going down the wrong path, and finally I said to them, the writing's on the wall. Do you want me to tell you what's going to happen to your lives individually and also collectively? And I just went through this and that and this and that. I said, you're shining up for that. The writing is on the wall. If you continue walking down the path, you're walking. But I said, if you go the other way, the writing, well, is in the word. And I showed them the life that God has. You have a choice to make, A or B, one or two. Belshazzar said no to God, and it led him to destruction. So see, it's it's a, it's a simple process, a deadly process. You're delusional, you're disrespectful, then destruction. That very night, verse 30, Belshazzar, read it, was taken out, he was slain, and Darius the Mede took over his kingdom. We have to understand that God is a God of wrath. It's not going to be on a coffee mug that we're going to give away at VIP. <laughs> but God is the God of wrath. He's the God of love, but also he's a God of wrath. What do you mean a God of wrath? Well, the fact of God's wrath. Read scripture. Think about this story right here. It's a fact. The focus of God's wrath. What's the focus of God's wrath? Sin and rebellion. God wants everybody to repent. That's his will. But we have the choice. The finality of God's wrath. Once we say no, God puts his no on our no. We're eternally separate from him. Because one day, those of us here who are believers, we will face the judgment seat of Christ. That's another topic we don't like to talk about. I'm not talking to Christians. I'm not talking to believers. We will be judged based on what we did with what God Gave us our gifts, abilities, aptitudes, our finances, our blessings. You'll be judged. I'll be judged based on that. So, man, what a responsibility, what an accountability to live the life. There's another judgment called the Great White Throne Judgment, and that's the judgment for non believers. If your name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, God will say, You said no to me time and time and time again. Here's my no on your no, you'll be eternal separate. You'll be eternally separate from me for the rest of your existence. In 2 Corinthians chapter six, verse two, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now, now is the day of salvation. Belshazzar had an opportunity to get his life right, to turn it all over to God. Belshazzar, your days are numbered. Belshazzar, your works have been weighed and you've come up lacking. Belshazzar, your kingdom is is, is going to be divided. Follow the Lord. Make him sovereign. Because once you do, you'll be on your way to knowing God in a deep way and also knowing yourself. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for this message. I thank you too right now for my mother's life. What an inspiration. As I look at this Bible, I think about years ago when she gave this to me. As I think about her love for you, her self-awareness, it's my prayer that we would live a life of self-awareness and if you're here and you've never ever ever asked the lord to take control of your life to reign sovereign in your life you can make that decision i can tell you just based on her life god's way works just make the decision You say god you know what i've been running the show but i give my life to you lord i believe god you sent jesus to die on the cross for my sins and You sovereignly rule over my life, Lord. I believe what you did for me, and I received that in my life. There are others of us who are believers, yet maybe in some way we find ourselves delusional, maybe in a marital situation, maybe in a child-rearing challenge, maybe at work. We find ourselves disrespectful. We're not honoring. We think we have to like the person to honor the person, and that's not true. And some of us we know are on our way to missing out on what God has. Father, may it not be, may we walk in self-awareness, continue to challenge us and bring us back next time. We ask all these things in Christ's name, amen. Amen. Self awareness. Now, these first two weeks have been kind of pretty tough. We're going to make a cool change this this next week as we talk about self-awareness, knowing yourself, part three. I think you'll like where we're going as we continue this series, but I don't know about you, but I need to think about this and I need this in my life. And one of the great things that we offer, make sure you download our app because our app we write devotionals each and every day about the service. Now, as we pass the offering plates, I want you to think about your life, how you've been blessed to be a blessing. And I don't want any of us to ever rob God. I mean, I can't make you make that decision. You can't make me make that decision, but it's not our opportunity. But one of the ways we walk with God as just talking to him and and, and reading his word. And again, let me draw your attention to to the devotionals. I I, I mean, if you've been doing the devotionals with me and others at Fellowship, would you lift your hand? Oh, wow, give yourselves a round of applause. If you don't have the devotionals, again, go to the App Store, type in Fellowship Church, uh, click on Get, and it's a five minute, seven minute devotion. That we, that we do about this service of worship. So for example, we'll break down even in more detail this whole story over the next uh, six days about this millennial king, Belshazzar. And, and it's just really cool. And, and, and we did this uh, with our last series as we did a series called Open Heart, and we're doing it with this series as well. So share it with your friends. But again, thank you so much for your prayers over the next uh, several days um, just be in prayer for our family and uh, um, for, for the church family in Houston as we uh, celebrate mom's life because she was definitely one of a kind. So I'll see you next time.